Poland, uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi, this is Małgorzata, Margaret Bonikowska, and you're listening to episode 94 of Polcast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. Just to remind you, Polcast is not a news podcast. If you are interested in what's written about Poland in English, online articles published in many countries by many media outlets, they are posted daily on Polcast Facebook. And those stories can be quite amazing. So visit Polcast Facebook regularly and check them out. Here is one recent example. There was a secret town in Poland, hidden deep in a thick forest. Borno Sulinovo was seized by the Red Army in 1945 and was home to more than 10,000 Soviet soldiers until 1992. When the Soviets left Poland and Borno Sulinovo, the town, deserted and full of dilapidated barracks, decided to make money on its secret past. Military reenactors, including enthusiasts from Germany and Russia, came each year to stage a parade dressed in Soviet uniforms. A Polish businessman opened the Russia Hotel, decorated with images of Lenin and red stars. The business was going very well until 2022. Now, after the brutal war started in Ukraine, things have changed. What's going on there now? How do the inhabitants feel about Russia and Ukraine? You can find answers to these questions in an article published in New York Times, which we featured yesterday on Polcast Facebook. There are many, many more worth reading. So to get informed about such interesting stories, please find Polcast on Facebook and become its regular reader. You will find minimum four stories a day about Poland from all over the world. As I said in my last episode, for many years, my great passion has been language, hence my degrees in linguistics, my teaching, my book, and my interviews and podcasts relating to language. Last time you met a Polish polyglot. Polyglots are people who speak many languages. There are some incredible individuals, such as Ioannis Ikonomu. He was born in 1964 and is a Greek translator at the European Commission. Can you believe it? He speaks 32 modern languages, including 21 of the 24 official languages of the EU. The three exceptions are Estonian, Maltese, and Irish. Among the other languages that he speaks are Russian, Bengali, Persian, Turkish, Arabic, Hebrew, Amharic, and Mandarin. He has also studied a number of ancient languages, such as Old Church Slavonic, Classical Armenian, Sanskrit, and Assyro-Babylonian. But who is number one? The record holder is Ziad Fasah. 
born in Liberia and living now in Lebanon. Ziad can speak 59 different languages. He has held public appearances where he spoke with native speakers of Albanian, Cantonese, English, French, German, Icelandic, Hebrew, Korean, Norwegian, Pashto, Russian, Thai, and Vietnamese, among others. The 1998 Guinness Book of World Records cites Ziad as being able to speak 58 languages. In the last podcast episode, you met Marajka Swomka, a Polish polyglot who speaks eight languages, which is quite impressive. And then I promised you another interesting meeting with a polyglot, and here it is. This one, however, is bittersweet. I first saw the smiling Afro-American guy on Facebook sharing his experience of learning Polish and loving it. We got in touch when he was into his fourth month of Polish and planned to devote not the regular six months, but the whole year to this language. We had many great conversations and I invited him to podcast. He came to our Zoom podcast interview dressed in a Polish t-shirt and had a Polish flag in the background. What fun he was to talk to. Moses McCormick from Columbus, Ohio, learned 50 languages, speaking many of them really fluently. He launched a very successful YouTube channel, developed his own language teaching method, and was a true guru for many language learners all over the world. Normally, he learned five languages a year. And here comes the sad part. I was really heartbroken to learn just recently that Moses McCormick had passed away in Phoenix, Arizona, due to some heart problems in 2021, just before turning 40. He left behind his Chinese wife and two kids. This is my interview with Moses in 2017, when he was learning Polish. Let's just start talking about your experience with Polish. It's not just Polish, right? You're a person who's extremely interested in languages. Right. I, I've been studying languages since I was 18. My first uh, first foreign language, well, well, besides the ones that I took in high school, uh, seriously, was Chinese. Wow. Chinese Mandarin. Mandarin, uh-huh. Yeah, and then I started learning more like Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and uh, Hindi, Arabic. I originally, I just wanted to do Chinese, but I, I was meeting people from Korea. See, at the time, I, I couldn't tell if they were from Korea, so I just tried to, I thought I was going to practice Chinese with them. They said, no, I'm not from China. I'm from, I'm from South Korea. I said, dang it. And, I, and that kept happening. So I said, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to get a phrase book and I'm going to learn some words in, in their language. So when I do meet them, at least I can say something and, and yeah. give them a, a kick out of that. So I did that with several languages. And here I am now. I'm still doing that. And um, I don't plan on stopping. How many years ago was that? Oh, man, I'm 35 now. Oh, you're 35. So it's been a while. It's been like 16 years of dealing with those languages. Now, yes. how many are there? How many have you studied or learned? Or It's it's kind of hard to say. I was, It's about probably about 50 languages that I've actually either dabbled with, you know, studied a little bit of. You know, of course, not fluent in all those languages, but it's, it's about, yes, yeah, about 50. It might be more than 50. I just lost track. After a while. But do you do you get to the point when you say, okay, enough? Or because, I mean, you know, learning a language is a lifelong thing, right? Oh. I mean, you never really say, I've learned it, right? So so how far do you go with those languages? 
It de- it depends because when you learn a language, you have to have some sort of goal and reason. Most people that learn languages, they have a reason. They either move into the country or they're working. So they say, okay, I'm going to learn this language. I have to get this to a really, really high level so I can function properly in the environment where this language is spoken. See, for me, I'm in the U.S. I don't have any intentions on going to these countries to live, work, and whatnot. So I have to set goals. So when I reach that goal, I can then do another language. My initial goal was to reach at least intermediate. That's like uh, on a European scale. It's I think it's high B1 or low B2, somewhere between there. At, at the time, I felt that once I reached that level, I'm able to at least converse. I was content with that. Then I said, well, if plans change, like if I get an opportunity, someone offered me a job and say, oh, you can go to China or somewhere, whichever country, and work here for a certain period of time, then I will change my goal. I will say, okay, now I want to get hired in that because I'm going to be in the environment and using that language every day, especially working because you have to be on a higher level. Intermediate is not adequate. It's not an adequate level. Have you gone over or above this intermediate level in any language? Yeah, I would say because Chinese, I've been doing it for so long, so naturally, practicing a lot with the people, I'm like a uh, high B2, like in, in in the manner of Chinese. That's where I am right now. Then uh, my Japanese, I would say solid, probably low B2. Then Korean, you have, I'll say maybe like high B1. So it's at any one point in time, you study a number of languages, right? It's not that you take one, you master to a satisfactory level when you go on to the next. You must be doing things simultaneously, yes? Well, my methods have changed over the years. I started Chinese when I was 18. From 18 up until the age of maybe 28, I was all over the place. One minute I'll be doing this Arabic, and then I'll then and then one minute I'll be doing Russian. I didn't really have um, my goals weren't solidified then. Couldn't say, okay, I'm gonna learn this language, get it to this level, and then I'm gonna move on. I wasn't doing that. So now you are. Now I am. So now now you're in your Polish phase. Now I'm in the Polish phase. And right now I'm actively studying Finnish and Polish. And my goal for those two languages, I want to get advanced level in those two languages. So now I know that I have to put the time and necessary time. Originally, I wanted to just learn Finnish for the year 2016. I was going to spend a whole year learning that language until I get to that level. And for uh, Polish, it was like, okay, I'm going to do Polish for three months. Then it changed because when I made my video and I, <laughs> all these people were contacting me, it, it made me feel more motivated to learn more of the language. So I, I, I decided to take it more seriously and take it to a higher level. So now having studied 50 languages, what have you learned about learning languages? Well, the first thing that people need to realize is, is, is it takes time, a lot of time. What I've learned over the years, especially if you haven't had, if you don't have experience learning a language, you have to be really patient. Learning a language is not easy. A certain approach which I take makes the process more easy and less stressful because if if it's stressful, you're not going to last long. You're going to say things like, which I've seen many times, people say, oh, I don't have a talent or I'm not good at languages. But if you learn your first language, you can learn any language. Because, you know, when we learn languages when we go to school, grammar is a big part of it. We get tested over that, but I learned over the years that grammar, by approaching it as a total beginner with, with nothing, no base or anything in the language, is going to make it really difficult. Why? Because you have no base. You have no experience with this language. So it's like, how 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 are you going to try to understand something when you haven't even had any experience learning the grammar? If you can avoid that for at least a good six months, three to six months, then the process will get easy. It will get easier for you because 
then when you do start learning grammar, you will notice certain patterns that you saw when you were playing with that language. Say, okay, that makes sense. I've seen, no wonder they were using it like this. Okay, now it makes sense. But see, if you go all the way back at the beginning and try to understand that, it won't make any sense. So basically what you're saying is first, just kind of learn it intuitively or? Just learn it intuitively. Just kind of play with the language, listen to it a lot, learn phrases, you know, interact with the people who use a phrase because they're going to be happy even if you're not fluent. When you use phrases with them, they're going to, oh, wow, you learned that language. And that will motivate you even more to learn more phrases. And see, when you keep doing that, you building, you building more and more on that language. And eventually you're going to reach an intermediate level, at least. And then when you reach that level, then you can start investigating more into the grammar. Because by, like I said before, by that time, things will make more sense. It's just like how we were children. When you were, when I was five, you were five. Before we went to school, we were already speaking in sentences. How do we learn like that? We're not kids anymore. We're adults, but you can still learn like a child if you, you have to empty your mind and think in a different way. That's the first step. You have to, you have to think a certain way to start learning like how a child would learn. Now that's a difficult thing to do because all the indoctrination, all this stuff, when we go to school and being tested, getting bad grades, getting your failure because you failed this grammar test, that's psychological. So by the time we graduate from school, it's like, oh, Oh, you, what do you mean you don't do grammar? Like you have to, you know, people will say that. They will talk like that. And they, they will say, well, how are you learning language off the grammar? But, and it's understandable. I can understand why they're talking like that. Well, when I first started learning Chinese, I didn't really study grammar. I did like the phrases and all that stuff. But when I tried to learn Russian, I was trying to do grammar and grammar was ridiculous. And when I realized I have to keep taking that approach that I took with Chinese, just learn, just play with the language, get used to things. And then later on, once you're, on a level of you at least conversing, then you can start looking to the grammar. So I think if a lot more people take on that concept, they will learn more languages and they will, they will be open to learn. Three months, I, with this approach that I use, you can be at least a two level in, in three months. That's possible. I believe by the year time, you can be a, a, at least a B2 level. If you study in your own country, that is. With more languages, is it easier to learn the next ones? It's easier, for example, I'm doing Hungarian next year, okay? If you're still around, you watch my channel. When I do Hungarian, I make videos speaking Hungarian, that people going to probably be surprised again. They're going to say, wow, how are you just learning all that in, in short? Because it's the same approach. It's the same. So when you do something over and over and over again, which is repetition, it becomes second nature, and you can just keep applying it to other things, and you get the same results. So for me... Yeah, it gets easier. When you go through that process several times, it gets it gets easier. Which language so far has been the most difficult? I would say uh as far as pronunciation, definitely Polish, Vietnamese, um, Navajo. Very difficult pronunciation. Polish is crazy. I know. <laughs> Polish, <laughs> Polish is ridiculous. So, you know, it's fun, but it's it's pretty difficult. It has a really, really difficult pronunciation. As far as the grammar. I would say Finnish is probably the most difficult language I've learned. There's some other languages like Japanese and them, but Finnish, the grammar, I study at least 50 languages. And I thought Russian was the most difficult at first because I did, because that's a case language. You know? So it's Polish. Oh, so it's Polish and Finnish is as well, but Finnish has more cases. So then which one was the easiest for you? The easiest pronunciation wise, I would say Indonesian. Yeah, grammatically, dang, what, I don't even know. What is the easiest language grammatically? Because Chinese is not difficult grammatically. That's like English. 
uh, Thai, Vietnamese, those languages, the English, the, the grammar is very similar to English. Maybe Esperanto. I don't know. <laughs> Did you know that the guy who, who came up with Esperanto, Zamenhof, was Polish? He was, I heard something. I yeah, heard, you I, have to listen. I'm, I'm going to give you the, the link to this. It's a very interesting story. Yes, he was Polish. Oh, he's Polish. Yeah, okay. Polish. Polish Jew, but Polish. Yes, in Poland. Oh. Let's talk about how much time you spend on this. Well, right now my regimen is, um, I'm doing Finnish and Polish full time. I have immersion days and I break them up. Like yesterday was Polish immersion day. Today is Finnish and then tomorrow will be Polish. I have more days for Polish than Finnish. That's for the whole day. And when I say immersion, I'm talking about playing radio. I can be washing the dishes or take a shower, but I always have things playing. And then I have books I read and I like to watch some cartoons on YouTube. Then also I uh, have sessions with, uh, I have some partners. I have a guy, he's a native speaker from Poland and a guy who's a native speaker Finnish. I meet with them for an hour every day and we just practice, we practice the language together. So that's about four hours a week for that, just that meeting with them. It's really hard to put a number on of hours, but I would say if someone asked me what's the recommended hours of learning, I would say if you can do at least three hours, it doesn't have to be consecutive, like a consecutive three hours. You can break it up. It can be one hour in the morning, a half an hour, however you want to do it. But if you can do at least three hours a day, I think that that will be sufficient. That's really good. You know. If but with it. with everything, listening, all the skills, right? Listening and speaking Every, and reading. Reading, speaking, all that stuff you can do within like for three hours in a day. Now, if you got more time, I would recommend doing more time because obviously the more time you put on the language, the faster you're going to get results. So but I would say, you know, three hours. I always tell people, they ask me, well, how many hours should I, if I want to learn a language tomorrow, how many hours should I put? I'll say three hours, non-consecutive though. If you, you can do a, a consecutive three hours, do that, but just I would recommend breaking it up because you need to take some breaks. Now, let's talk about your learning Polish. You have this T-shirt on that thing hanging behind you. So, <laughs> so that means yeah. not just mechanical language learning. You do more. You learn about the culture. You learn about people. I'm really motivated. I want to learn as much as I can about Poland and the Polish people. I'm going to get to an advanced level in Polish. So. What do you think about Polish? Like compared to all these languages? So, yeah, Polish is very difficult. Why? Because they have the cases. The pronunciation is ridiculous. I mean, overall, it's a, it's a difficult language. But at the same time, it's very interesting. When you look at certain words, like P-R-Z, is psh, you, you have three consonants. Psh, 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 whatever, it's crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a very difficult language, but at the same time, it's interesting. And um, compared to other languages, it's, it's definitely unique, a very unique language. You know, pronunciation, grammar. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about the language. I, I really like Polish language. How much have you learned about Poland itself? Not just the language, but about Poland, Polish people. So far, I learned that and I noticed that Polish are, Polish people are very energetic. They seem to be, I don't know if it's enthusiasm, but they seem to be always, uh, I don't even know if I could use the term hyper, but the uh, Ponski. Now, I didn't know that was Polish. Ponski? Yeah, I had no idea that was Polish. But when I was a kid, I remember eating stuff like that. I, oh. But I, I had no idea that was Polish, though. Because I had someone, one of my followers said, man, you should try Ponski. You're going to love it. He said, when you go to a Polish bakery, make sure you get Ponski. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And I went to the bakery and I asked them if they had Ponski. And they showed me. And I was like, that's Ponski? Is there a Polish community where you live? Well, here in Columbus, it's no. They had one. I found one restaurant, and it was like in a um. 
we have like this uh, international market. They have different foods. They had that Polish place in there. That's the only place. Now they had they had this place called Babushka's Kitchen. It was Polish, but they closed like a it's year. Interesting, because Babushka is Russian, really. Babushka is Polish. Yeah, that's what I'm like. That's what I thought. I was like, Babushka is that's grandmother for for Russian. Slavic languages. You did Russian and you're doing Polish. Did you do any others? Um, Russian. Uh, did Russian. Uh, played a little bit around with Czech a little bit. Uh, Serbian. Croatian, Bulgarian. I, I was supposed to do Polish for three months, and then I was you know what I was supposed to be doing now? Macedonian. Yeah, that was a language that I'm supposed to be learning now, but since my plans changed for Polish, I'm not stopping Polish until I get to that level. I, every year, I choose one language to do for a whole year, and I also have four other small languages that I normally do, but I only spent, see, Polish is one of those small languages. I only spent three months doing it. You can do, if you do that for three months, you can learn four languages in one year. So I chose four languages to do that with, and then one that I spent a whole year on, which is Finnish. See, that was the one I was doing for the whole year, but now Polish is there as well. I can't stop Polish. Because it's interesting or because what? When I got all that support and all those people, they're like, man, you know, I mean, I got, I got some attention in the past, but I think with this Polish thing is, is, it was the worst. Like my inbox, Gmail, and also my, Facebook full of Polish. Oh, you're doing so good with Polish and keep going. And then every, a lot of the messages were in Polish too. And I was like, what is this stuff coming from? And then that's when a guy told me that, Hey, you're awesome, man. We saw your video. You got our support. They say they love me. They say, we love you, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> so now you're at what? You're four months or three months. I'm at four months now. Four months. So we yeah. have to get back to you when you're at like six months or eight months. And I'm actually going to Michigan uh tomorrow because I do every week. Well, my most popular videos on YouTube are called um, their level ups. And basically I go to different places where language is spoken and I, I walk up to the people and I initiate conversation with them. Oh. I ask where they're from and they say, oh, I'm from this. Then I just practice language with them. My, my final question is actually about what you do on YouTube because you have very, very extensive uh, video tube channel, right? I do a lot of stuff, but mostly I share my techniques, how I go about learning. I give a lot of advice. I answer a lot of questions. And my most popular videos are the level up videos where I either go to another state or city and I'll go to these different markets and I'll walk in. I have a camera that I wear and I approach them and then I'll, I'll talk with them in English at first, but then I'll ask them where, where are you from? And then when they, when they, when they tell me that, then I'll switch languages and then they'll say, wait, you, how do you speak that? They said, you speak <laughs> <laughs> they, so they really surprised. And that's, those are probably my, my, my most popular videos right now. Um, I practice obviously the video you saw. Um, I practice speaking the language. I have some reading practice videos where I show people that, you know, this is what I do. I, I read, repeat, read, repeat. I record myself doing that and show people that they can do the same thing. I have some interviews with certain people. I got over 2,000 videos. Do you, do you have time for like anything else in your life other than languages? Oh yeah, I have a life. I have three kids and I'm married and stuff, but languages, that is a big part of my life. That's actually how I make a living. I'm, you, cause I'm teaching that as well. How about your kids? Are you trying to encourage them to learn other languages? Oh yeah, they're young. My, I have twin girls and I have a younger daughter. They're, my twin girls are four years old and my younger daughter, she's about to be two. So they're, they're, they're still very young, but they're getting exposure to obviously English and Chinese. Their mom is from Taiwan. So, so they now, will be bilingual, you think? Oh yeah, they will be bilingual. 
they, right now it's really amazing to uh, witness this. Like right now when they speak, they switch, they go back and forth. So it's like, okay, now she she's speaking Chinese. Now this is English. They're going to be bilingual though. You can learn more about Moses McCormick on mypodcast.com website. Moses, rest in peace. Another great passion in my life has been promoting Canada and Poland, and Poland and Canada. And I'm so very excited that in a few days, I'm flying to Poland, invited by my Institute of English studied at Warsaw University, where I first studied and then worked. I did my PhD, and I was there until I came to Canada on an exchange and stayed. Canada is where my home is, and I love it. I've been writing and talking about Canada on Polish media, and now I'll have a chance to give a lecture, Canada, What Makes It Tick, on May the 10th in my dear, dear institute. You can find all the details on podcast website, mypodcast.com, and are most welcome to come. It's an open lecture. My love for Canada is why I'm always, always happy to learn about people who also find it fascinating. Today, you will meet one. Canada is often associated with maple syrup, maple trees, the maple leaf is an arc flag, and now people in Poland or elsewhere, as long as they speak Polish, can access a rich source of information about Canada, Maple Corn. It's a blog which has just recently turned one year old. It was created and is run with great energy and passion by Joanna Bogusławska, who lives in Gdynia, Poland. She's a published author. Her pen name is Agatha Ray, and she writes both in English and in Polish. She's a hockey and music fan, and her life passion is Canadian pop culture. Maple Corner blog features well-researched and well-written articles about sports, hockey, of course, film and TV, literature, even food, and, of course, music. It's also present on Facebook, where Joanna posts interesting stories daily. I reached Joanna in Gdynia. Okay, so there's a new kid on the block, and that new kid on the block is Maple Corner, and I'm talking to Asha. You want to be Hello. called Asha or Joanna? Oh, Asha is fine. It's Asha fine. is fine. Is that how people call you, Asha? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 they do. Yeah. Unless, unless we're not talking about Polish people, then I'm usually Joanna, mm-hmm. but I'm Asha, so let's just stick to that. I mean, Whatever Maple Corner like. is a Polish thing, so maybe. Absolutely, so, it, because yeah. it's done in <laughs> Polish, right. Which is great, because why would it be done in English if, right, your main audience is Polish? I looked at your biography, which is quite impressive, I must say. You're very young. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how <laughs> oh, I shouldn't ask. 38. Okay. Well, you don't look 38. You look like 25. So that's why I'm so surprised. I know. <laughs> you know. Well, mm-hmm. it's been a number of years since you started doing things. But anyhow, you've written books. You have been collaborating with music groups. Uh, and you are into hockey. And you're into mm-hmm. a lot of things. So how did this all happen? When did you start doing these things? Well, that depends uh, on which things you're asking. Which um, was the first one? 
Oh my goodness, I it's really hard to hard to say. Um, the, the funny thing is that actually, uh, if you look at it, it kind of everything kind of comes down to Canada in one way or the other. So, so I think that's uh, that, that, that it's even it even shocked me at some point because I think I've just been doing some things, uh, you know, subconsciously. I just kind of figured out, hey, you know what? It actually makes sense if you look at it from a bigger picture. First of all, let me tell you that the first time I've ever been to Canada, that was back in 2001. Right. And I spent two months uh, visiting my family who lives in the Vancouver area. And uh, I was 16 at the time. And um well, I I really I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. Although, uh, looking from the perspective, obviously, I know that I could have um, enjoyed it far more. But I just didn't know. I just I just had to figure it out. I just had to discover it all, you know, for 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 myself back then. But anyway, so what what happened was that uh, three days before my departure, before my flight back home uh, to Poland, I was watching much music channel which i understand no longer exists or at mm, least there's no. not much music in much music but back then there was so i was watching much music and i came across a special documentary about the band the tea party it just struck me so much i i just fell in love instantly immediately and it was a great documentary to watch because i immediately got like first 10 years of the band's um work or the band's existence so to speak so so I just I just you know just like five minutes before my departure I managed to grab a cd and I was just listening to it like non-stop non-stop I just I didn't even know which one it was it was just the very first one that I could have just grabbed and it, that was the moment that I got hooked and I got hooked like really 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 bad and I guess this is when it started for me that it, it's like I've always been interested not in things which are obvious, easy to reach and easy to check. It's, it's always I'm always interested and always drawn into things that are maybe just you need to dig them up somehow, you know, to take a closer look. So there is a discoverer in you. I guess so. I guess you may say that. And that's just when it started that I started kind of digging around this whole Canadian pop culture idea, like what is going on in Canada? because. Most people kind of know what's going on in the U.S., especially when you think about mainstream popular culture. But what's going on in Canada, right? I mean, there has to be something. And if they have stuff like the Tea Party, then okay, I'm in. Like, what else do you got? And and this is how it kind of started. That was music, right? What I like is that you started promoting that music in Poland. Oh, yeah. Polish radio. Wow. I know. Yeah. So, you you know, when I'm, I'm in... Once I'm in, I'm like a million percent in. So I, I, yeah, that's what I did. I start kind of like pushing the matter, like, you know, take a look at this band. They're awesome. They're fantastic. And mm-hmm. uh, at some point I even, um, I it administrated the band's uh, Facebook profile, like the Polish Facebook profile. And I was even in, uh, in touch with, with the band, with the drummer at that point. And uh, so that was, that was just purely insane. Like, I, I guess, I suppose many music journalists in Poland just they were they were really frustrated when they saw another email from me because <laughs> I kept like did you check it out I mean I told you please check it out Wait, yeah. can we do something about it so then there is your fascination with hockey and mm-hmm. your multiple publications in hockey literature sports literature in Poland 
Well, I, I guess it's somehow, again, something uh, maybe a bit subconscious because I've always liked hockey. I've always enjoyed it. But when I really kind of got into it was uh, Vancouver 2010 Olympics and that final game between the U.S. and Canada. And I was watching it live on TV and I was absolutely blown away by everything, like the atmosphere, uh, obviously the the game itself. And, um, and then the golden goal by Sid Crosby and everything. And I was just so hooked. Um, and that's when I really started to dig more into it and to um, like circle around the topic a bit more. You've written a whole bunch of books. Yes, I have, but that's just not that's not necessarily connected with, uh, yeah. with Canada or Canadian pop culture. But uh, since I've always kind of liked writing and creating, and um, so so it kind of like it came natural. I, first of all, maybe what's uh, perhaps not very typical in my case is that I actually started in the U.S. That I was first published by a small independent U.S. Uh, American uh, publisher and and then I sort of like moved my way through Sweden because I was also one of my books was published there and then I came with my stuff to Poland <laughs> and it's actually also connected kind of with popular culture although this time it wasn't anything uh, Canadian. Is it fiction? What is it? Yes, it's it's fiction. Although I did write one nonfiction book, I um I wrote it two years ago. But uh, my main uh the thing I really like most is fiction, and it's usually something that has this little bit of it's just they're usually dramatic stories, and they have a little bit of this supernatural sprinkle on them. I I just like to put my characters in quite unusual um circumstances situations. and see okay what, yes situations and see what they'll do. <laughs> Now, Maple Corner, which is your blog, uh, which is very active also on Facebook, is your own baby, which you created just over a year ago. And it's mm -hmm. actually gaining a lot of popularity. How did you come up with this? Almost two years ago, um, I got in touch with a blogger, a Polish girl who lives in Toronto. And we started chatting a little bit because I, I, I found her book and I liked it a lot. So I reached out to her. Her idea was that maybe um, I could have a pop cultural section on her blog and write something about Canadian popular culture there. And I got very excited about it. And I already had some, some ideas, some, some, you know, some topics to cover, but uh, it didn't, like, well, nothing happened for some various reasons. And then I just figured out, you know what, maybe I'll just start my own thing. And um, I won't have any like you know limits concerning what I want to write about, how long the texts are going to be. Uh, so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it by myself. And and I started building it from the scratch, right from the big from 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 like nothing zero. Like I had no followers in the beginning at all. Now it's one thousand and one hundred, and I love it. Uh, my idea is to popularize um, Canadian popular culture. Because a lot of people, uh, like, they think they're listening to American bands. They think they're uh, reading American authors or, because, you know, a lot of people just think that if, if somebody speaks English or does something in English, then probably it's American. And I've had a lot of comments and a lot of messages uh, written to me that, oh, my God, I had no idea this or that person yeah. is Canadian. So how many times have you been to Canada? Five times. Yes, I hope this year it's going to be the sixth one. Oh, yeah. so you're coming again? Hopefully, yes. In yes. And so where is this trip going to be again in BC? Uh, yeah, this time BC as well. But uh, last time that was in 2018, I visited Toronto. 
this time it's going to be the full BC. I'm hoping to um, to go back to Seattle for a few days because I did have a chance to spend a day there last time I about ten years ago when was last time I I was in Vancouver, but otherwise it's it's BC maybe a little bit of Alberta we'll see what's going to happen. Tell me how you work on your blog because you you post a lot of stuff on Facebook, right? How often mm-hmm. do you post articles? Because the articles are really pretty thorough, and it mm-hmm. looks like you have you must have put a lot of work into getting all that information. So, how what is the frequency of your publications? Uh, Facebook is every day, every day, ten o'clock Polish time. There's a post, and uh, what I've noticed is that it's ten o'clock because this is where I see the, the like the peak of the activity on my on my Facebook page is at ten o'clock. So that's where that's when it happens, and uh, and it's just usually something short, like uh, just just uh, maybe sometimes it's it's just a link for. That, you know, check something out. Sometimes I, I write a little longer note, but it's usually something short. But um, when it comes to the blog, then my idea right from the beginning was that since it's mine and since I have no limits here and I can just write about everything and make it as long as I want and I feel it should be. Um, so I decided that it's going to be thorough. Like you said, it's going to have lots of sources. Uh, it's going to be like really... Um, like I, I'm really going to dig into it, whatever it's the thing I'm going to write about, and the inspirations they just they just come, like however, like um one of the one of the biggest fun that I have had so far was writing about, for example, the Canadian content uh, law, which I thought it's just a fascinating topic, absolutely fascinating. So I knew this one is going to be big, and this one was going to be in two, parts. two parts yeah. because obviously, like somebody will see something that long, they're not going to even bother to read it. So that's not the effect I want. I mm-hmm. want people to really like uh, try to you know read and find something interesting there. So yeah, so they're all really big and thorough, and and um, I hope good quality because uh, because that's that's my aim. Like I. I want to popularize Canadian pop culture, but I want to do it in like good quality way. Usually on the blog, there's like two, three articles per month because it because of the quality. So Facebook posts every day and also every day on Instagram, uh, plus some stories in the meantime, if I find something interesting for people to check out. But the blog is usually two, three, and that's maximum per month because I really work a lot mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to produce one, one right. article. And how do you promote what you do? I do sometimes pay for promotion because that's just like, that's the thing. I mean, how am I supposed to get there? Especially that we're talking about Canadian popular culture in Poland. This is this is not something that just will easily spread over the internet. This is something I need to give a little push to. I don't think it's bad because it's my work. So I want people to discover it and I want people to discover this Canadian popular culture. So how else am I supposed to do that? So once in a while, I do, I do promote it, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to see a lot of new people coming and more and more people being uh, active. That's that's great. That's always very welcome. Uh, so 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 that's how I do it. And um, I'm thinking about some gadgets. I'm thinking about that. I have some ideas, but so far I'm just sticking to the social media uh, promotion once in a while. Oh, what do you do for a living? I work in a bookstore. Yeah, so it's quite funny because in on one hand, I have written some books. So I'm there at the very beginning of the process. And then professionally, I'm there at the very end of the process where the books are sold. So 
So what kind of bookstore is it? It's a small bookstore in Kenya, uh, but we have this reputation of uh, being a good quality bookstore and we do have people who come even from Gdańsk to buy something and just to look what we have. It's kind of like McRyan thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope we don't end this way. But so far, it's been it's been good. Well, there's also uh, Notting Hill, right, Hugh Grant. I know, but I'm still waiting for my Julia Roberts. Yeah, to you you should back. have your Julia Roberts. <laughs> Do you think Polish people are interested in Canadian uh, culture? I know that this is not a topic that is naturally like present everywhere all around. I have approached some publishers with the idea, the concept of a book about Canadian popular culture or about Canada in general uh, for kids, for instance. So far, I haven't been very lucky, but that's okay. I'm still working on it. Maybe maybe in a while it might change. Um, but uh, the topic itself, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's something very natural for Polish people to be interested in that. But I do kind of hope that this is where I can fit in and and just, you know, maybe make it more interesting for people. And if you show it to them, this is my experience so far, they can become interested. The number of the followers is growing. Like if you're not interested, I don't think you would just click that you like or that you uh, are uh, that you observe or follow uh the the page even if you see an ad i mean it has to be something that you find uh curious i think there's a there's a lot of space there that can be filled and i really hope i can fill some of it uh, at least and um we'll see what's going to happen do you have any like long term plan or you just kind of continue and see what happens i'm going to continue and see what happens i do have some ideas like if i go to Canada in September, like I'm planning to, then naturally I really hope to have lots of attractive material to put there. Uh, so I'll definitely use that. We'll see. It's like I I don't I don't feel any pressure. Like it's fun for me. It's fun for me to see it growing. It's uh, I like the fact that people are interested in that. They seem to be at least. So I want to keep it burning. I mean, I, I don't have any time limits. I I have lots of ideas what I want us to write about. Um, I'm I'm having few interviews along the way with some Canadian people I want to interview. I'm thinking about some artists. I'm talking about uh, a podcaster that is uh, very much focused on Canadian rock from the 90s, something I like, I enjoy a lot. So I'm looking forward to this conversation a lot. So I'm just, you know, I'm just cool with it. We'll see what's going to happen. Well, which is your favorite part? Because there's literature, mm -hmm. there is her stories, mm -hmm. of course, music, sports. So which part um, gives you the biggest fun when you're working on it? Oh, I don't have it. I just like if I have an idea for for an article, I just go with it. And at that moment, that's my favorite part. And then the thing I'm kind of expanding. And um, right now, there's exactly 46 texts, 46 articles of various kinds. Some of them are interviews. Some of them are not. And um, it's just it's just fun. It's just pure fun writing it. And since I'm all over the place, like being interested in all over the place. I just really love and enjoy writing about all of this stuff. Congratulations. And, you know, it's really Thank like, you. I'm very happy to see that you're on the other side of the Atlantic and having this mm -hmm. fascination with Canada, which is wonderful. So all the best. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank Thanks you. for having me. You can find more information about Joanna and her blog, Maple Corner, on mypodcast.com. Definitely read it. It's worth it.
For a lot of additional information, multimedia, and links, please visit my website at mypodcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, and suggest ideas. If you know of any interesting story that I should cover on podcast, please let me know. Also, please remember about the crowdfunding campaign. Like all other podcasts, we count and depend on our listeners. What is free for you to listen to is not free for me to make. So, if you can, please support Polcast. Go to mypolcast.com/support and make a pledge. Any amount is great. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. Since February last year, Polcast has sent this message. Slava Ukraini. We love and admire you, our Ukrainian sisters and brothers. And please remember, you can always count on us. And I leave you with some music by Joanna's beloved Canadian group, The Tea Party. She's been, as she says, obsessed with it for many, many years. Let's listen to Psychopomp. Interestingly, Joanna Bogusławska's most recent book is titled Psychopompa. Sweet.